Christopher Rayshon Marshall is a New York City-based actor, director, and screenwriter. He received his MA in acting from the University of Memphis in 2013 and moved to New York City in 2014 to pursue a career in classical theater and TV film. He has since trained with Black Arts Intensive Workshop at Stella Adler and has been trained in Jacques Lecoq and Mask, Clown and Commedia dell'arte, Classical Acting, Viewpoints, and Suzuki. Winner of the NADSA National Playwright Competition 2012, top 30 out of 850 writers selected for Samuel French Festival in 2018, week one winner of the Players Theater's Sex Theme Festival, guest masterclass instructor at San Jose State University, and a member of Dramatist Guild. In January of this year, he completed a month-long intensive at Shakespeare and Company. You can find out more about Christopher at his website, ChristopherMarshall.net, or on Instagram at ChristopherRationMarshall. For this reading of Lip Service, the role of Mark is played by Duke Williams. The role of Abigail slash Colleen is played by Beck Benyon. The role of David is played by Joseph Aki. The role of Brooke is played by Candace Clark. The role of Frank is played by Stefan Eisenhower. Automated male voice is played by Jove Graham. Automated woman voice is played by Isaac J. Connor. Stage directions and cues are read by Stephen Brocco. Lip Service by Christopher Marshall. Characters, Mark, 25, black male. Reincarnation of Huey Newton. Abigail, 53, white female. Adopted mother of Mark. David, 55, white male. Adopted father of Mark, wealthy. Brooke, 26, black female train rider. Frank, 30, waiter, passenger on the train, any ethnicity. New York City subway car and an upscale French restaurant. Scene one. At rise, lights up four blocks lined across in a row. Brooke, 26, sits looking up at the switchboard. Frank is a passenger sitting and reading a book or a newspaper. R train via six line announcement. This is a Bronx bound four train. The next stop is Fulton Street. Colleen walks on wearing a big, dirty, dingy jacket, a scarf, a dirty, tattered t-shirt, some dingy sweats, and old beaten up shoes. She has a plastic cup in one hand and a cardboard sign pressed against her chest. Sign reads, please give money, seeking human kindness. She looks around for help and speaks in a sympathetic but rehearsed voice. Brooke rolls her eyes, takes out her phone, puts headphones on, starts bobbing some music. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to interrupt. My name is Colleen and I'm the mother of three beautiful little girls. I don't wanna bother you today, but I am the victim of an abusive marriage. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. My husband, Bill, beat me for seven years in our marriage. That's right. He beat me into a coma, broke my nose and two of my ribs. I was in the hospital for weeks. When I was released, I took my daughters and left him but now I have no support for my children. I'm homeless, ladies and gentlemen, and I need your help. Please find it in your heart to donate anything, money, a Metro card, or you can send money to my Venmo. This is Fulton Street. Transfer is available for the two, three, A, C, J, and Z trains. Connection is available to past trains. Please, somebody, anybody? She walks over to Brooke. Excuse me. Please help. I got a bag of chips if you want it. She pulls out a bag of chips. Abigail looks at it dismissively and shakes her head. Then you're not struggling that bad. 
You don't know my life. I have three little girls I'm trying to feed. And yet you don't take any food? Brooke puts on her headphones in her ears and ignores Colleen. This is Brooklyn Bridge, City Hall. As you exit, please be careful of the gap between the platform and the train. Transfer is available for the 6, J, and Z trains. Colleen looks at her with disdain for a moment, then walks off the train. Train doorbell dings, indicating the doors are about to close. Mark runs on from the USR and runs DSC. He catches his breath and looks around. He's wearing all black and with a black beanie and a backpack. Brooke sees him and is instantly attracted. He sees her and shares the same sentiment. This is a Bronx-bound four express train. The next stop is 14th Street, Union Square. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I am not homeless, nor do I want your money. In fact, I'm just a hood brother from the Bronx wanting a few moments of your time. Brooke listens and starts recording him with her camera. I know that what I'm about to say will offend some of you. And by some of you, I mean white people. Well, I'm here to say that, frankly, I don't give a damn. Asamaamu alaikum, my Nubian kings and queens. I come to inspire you to wake up. Stay woke, my brothers and sisters. White supremacy has killed black identity for centuries. Amen, brother. Thank you, my chocolate drop sister. They stole us from our lands, raped, beat, and killed our ancestors, shoved us in poor areas to get rid of us, and now they are forcing us away from each other to spread us thin with their new weapon called gentrification. For you white people on here that feel like this doesn't apply to you, it does. Even if you're not a racist, you are just as guilty if you pretend to be oblivious to what racists do. So the next time you are ordering your delicious pumpkin spice latte at your favorite coffee shop that's now conveniently located in a used-to-be black neighborhood, or you see a racist person attacking a black person or a person of color, and you have the urge to turn around so you don't have to get involved, I want to think, I want you to think of this moment. Tell them, boo. Kings and queens, we must take back our identity. We can no longer be ashamed of our blackness. We must boycott corporate America and give our money to black-owned businesses. We need to free ourselves from modern slavery. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, slavery. Just because we aren't picking tobacco or cotton anymore, doesn't mean it ended. Slavery and racism are very much alive today. Preach. This is 14th Street, Union Square. As you exit, please be careful of the gap between the platform and the train. Transfer is available for the 6 L, N, Q, R, and W trains. This is a Bronx-bound 4 Express train. The next stop is Grand Central, 42nd Street. I know some of you aren't listening to me, and that's fine. You think I'm crazy. You're comfortable in the prison that society has placed you in. But for those who are listening, stay woke. Let me ask you something, white people. You talk a big game about equality, but how can you fight so hard to make sure that the LGBT community gets to identify their gender pronouns? But you have never once in history asked my people how we identify. During slavery, you called us niggers and colors. In the 1840s, you called us Negroes. Then you went back to the word colors. Then you decided to be politically correct and call us African-Americans to make yourselves feel better. 
Not once have you asked us what we are. Not one time have you asked us how we identify. You forced on us whatever helps you sleep at night. The only time you've chosen our identity was during the civil rights movement when James Brown said, say it loud, I'm... This is a Grand Central 42nd Street. Transfer is available to the 6, 7, and shuttle to Times Square. Connection is available to Metro North. Oh, shit, it's my stop. Uh, peace, kings and queens. Support black businesses. Stay woke. Right on, king. Hey, baby, what's your name? Brooke, and you? I'm Marcus, uh, Joe Marcus. You got IG? Yeah, Brooke underscore keys on Instagram. Right, I got you, I'm gonna hit you up. Mark rushes off the train, takes his bag <laughs> off and, it, and exits stage left. Brooke slowly starts exiting the train as well. Lights fade. Scene two. Scene opens with Abigail and David sitting well-dressed at a restaurant table. Uh, jazz music and bar ambiance. Abigail is drinking champagne. David is looking at his watch. He's 20 minutes late. David, relax. He'll be here soon. That's the problem. You're always too relaxed with him. So he's late for family dinner. So what? It's not like he missed seeing the Pope. You know, he inherited that C.S. La Vie attitude from you. Well, he inherited his stubbornness from you. What was that? I said he gets his dashing good looks from you. We can't argue that. Oh, look, here's, he's here now. I told you he'd be here. They stand up and look stage right. Mark enters with his backpack in his hand, hurriedly putting on his blazer. His demeanor and speech is completely different from the train. You're late. David. Hi, Mom. Dad, sorry I'm late. He kisses Abigail on the cheek. David shakes his hand. It's okay. We're just glad we can finally spend time with you. You've been so busy lately. It's like we barely see you anymore. Oh, classes have been kicking my ass. Speaking of, how does it feel to be a lion? Not the same as being a bear. I miss my friends at Brown, but at least Columbia is closer to home. Closer to home, and yet you barely make time for your own parents. Oh, stop it, David. Your father just misses you, that's all. Do not. I know, Mom. A waiter approaches. Excuse me. Hi, I'm Frank. I'll be your server today. Can I start you off with some drinks? David looks at the family as he speaks. Actually, I think we're ready to order, right? Abigail and Mark nod in agreement. David begins ordering. Brooke appears upstage, walking across left to right as if she's on the street at the restaurant. She looks inside the window and does a double take as she notices Mark sitting with his parents. She reacts shocked and a little upset. She storms off. Bring us your bottle of 2015 Cabernet. Make sure it's chilled, but not burnt. I'll have the beef bourguignon, my wife will have the duck cassoulet, and her son will have the cocavine. Uh, what if I want something other than the cocavine, Dad? You've ordered the cocavine here every time for the past 15 years. Now I want to try something different. Uh, can I have the cocavine braised with salty pork instead of mushrooms? Sure thing. Oh, he's living on the edge, everyone. Boys, behave. Can we have three waters, please? Yes, ma'am, right away. Frank starts to exit. Brooke enters. He looks her up and down, walks to her. Hello, do you have a reservation? Reservation? Oh no, I'm meeting my boyfriend Marcus. In fact, he's right over there, the black guy sitting with the white couple. Then I'll let them know that you're here. 
No, thanks. I got it. So, Mark, how's college life? Not bad. Got a girlfriend yet? Brooke approaches. Um. Hey, baby. Sorry I'm late. Baby? Mark turns around to see who's talking. Baby? You. Came? Of course I did. I told you I wouldn't miss it for the world. And to whom do we have the pleasure? Mom. Dad, this is... Brooke. He looks at her for affirmation and Brooke nods. Brooke, this is my mom and dad. Mom and dad? Yes, is there a problem? Oh, babe, you never told me that your parents were, well. Were, were what? Such a beautiful couple. I'm sorry, but how do you know my son? My girlfriend. Girlfriend? Yes, he didn't mention me? Not at all. I'm not surprised. He's always failing to mention one thing or another. Well, you're quite a looker. At least our boy has good taste. Thank you. I'm Abigail, Abigail Stevens, and this is my husband, David. Won't you sit down? Actually, um, Bay, can I talk to you for a minute in private? Poor baby. He grabs her and pulls her downstage left. What the hell are you doing? Catching your black ass in a lie, my Nubian king. So what? Now you want to bust me out and embarrass me? My guy, you just got on the four train and went in about black power and black identity, and the whole time you ended up being in blackface. I don't think it could get any more embarrassing than that. You need to go. And miss this delicious, expensive-ass dinner you're about to buy me? I think not. Wait, what? I ain't buying you shit. Looks like they're arguing. Stay out of it, Abby. You know, this is a real swanky place. You must got money. That's none of your business. And just a little earlier, you said you were a poor brother from the projects. <laughs> oh, what tangled webs we weave. Okay, that's enough. I'm getting security. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to get the waiter and order me something real good and expensive. Like hell I will. She starts walking to the table. Okay, then. I guess your parents won't mind watching this video I recorded of your heartwarming speech on the train. I'm sure they'll be so proud of you. Mark grabs her. Wait, wait. Okay, fine. You sure? Yes. I want to hear you say it. I will buy you a meal here. Not just any meal. An expensive-ass meal. Comprende? Fine. Good. Now let's get back. Don't want to keep mom and dad waiting. You're really enjoying this, aren't you? A little. They walk back to the table. Mark looks defeated. Will you be joining us for dinner, Brooke? What? Mr. Stevens, I wouldn't miss it for the world. She sits triumphantly. Mark reluctantly and Abigail watches suspiciously. Oh, please call me David. I I'm sorry, but we've already ordered. Here's a menu. What would you like? She looks confused at the menu. How about the pain biori? The what? Um, for an appetizer. Yeah, Dad, we've got to get an appetizer. Waiter. Yes, sir. Uh, un panier de pan y tubue for the table. S'il vous plaît, merci. Frank nods and exits. You speak French too? You didn't know that? So, Dad, how's the company? Company? 
Oh, it's fine. Quarterlies are up 33% and we just got, oh, I don't want to bore you with all the shop talk. Besides, this radiant young lady hasn't been told uh, what she wanted for her entree yet. She looks nervously at the menu. Well, I... Uh... Ooh, allow me. Did you hear that, dear? He called her Boo. They already have pet names. Yes, that reminds me of that song you used to play, Mark. What were the lyrics? I just call her Boo. I don't know her whole name. She stares pointedly at Brooke. Mark clears his throat. <clears throat> Waiter, uh, double my order. She'll have what I'm having. But what are you having? The coca van. Coca? Oh, hell no. I don't know what you're into, but I don't do coke or cocaina or whatever that is. Awkward beat. Everyone looks around the table. David cuts through the silence with a hearty laugh. Mark and Brooke join him, but Abigail keeps her death stare on Brooke. I like this one, son. She's got a good sense of humor. So, Brooke, where is your family from? Upper East Side. Is that so? Brooke notices the vibe from Abigail. I can speak for myself, honey. Thanks. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I was born in the South Bronx and my family moved to Harlem when I was 13. A New Yorker through and through, I see. Why did you say she was from the Upper East Side? It's obvious that she wouldn't know anything about an area like that. Brooke is slightly offended. He doesn't want you to marginalize me because of where I come from. Marginalize? Is that your vocabulary builder work for the week? Brooke starts to snap, but it's interrupted by David. We weren't that type. We aren't that type to judge on appearances. Honestly, we don't see color at all. Who said anything about color? In fact, when Mark was a baby, the agency tried their best to make us adopt a little white baby. But we stood our ground, and now we have such a wonderful, handsome, and amazing son who happens to be black. <laughs> Mr. Stevens, I thought you didn't see color. You little spitfire. Mark, this one's a keeper. Oh, that actually, it's fairly new. Indeed. Where did you two meet? That's cool. On the train. Now they look at each other. Well, which is it? Well, we met on the train and... When we got off at West 4th, we realized we both went to school together. Oh my gosh. Why would you be at West 4th? Mark goes to Columbia. Well, you see, that's because... Shut it, Mark. I'm asking this girl. Oh, Abby, what are you doing? David, I think these two are lying to us, blatantly lying through their teeth. Why would they? Mark, is this true? Well, Dad, you see... Is she your girlfriend? You know, uh, damn, it is hot in here. Is anyone else hot? Waiter. Well, let me explain. Little girl, we are not talking to you. Little girl, hold up. I think it's time that you leave. This is a family dinner, no strays allowed. Waiter, make one of those cocoa van to go. She looks at Brooke and back in the direction of the waiter. Separate check. What? I'll cover it. You certainly will not. Mommy, mom, it's okay. I got it. Oh, you definitely got it. You better cover it or else. Or else what? Huh? Did you just threaten my son? Mark, what's going on here? Who is this girl? I just call her... Boo. I don't know her, fool, her whole name. I knew something wasn't right. She's as fake as that cheap wig she's wearing. Mom, back off. 
you know what? I don't have time to deal with this. I am not about to be criminalized by two racists who adopted a black baby to feel better about themselves. Excuse me? No wonder Mark was protesting against white appropriation and taking a black culture. Oh, we had a deal. Fuck your deal. You three are made for each other. A family of perpetual misery and self-hate. Your white guilt and his black hypocrisy. What? Mark what? Anthony Stevens, what deal is she talking about? <laughs> Mark Anthony, <laughs> you're a lost cause, my brother. A whole lost cause. She types in her phone, iPhone message sound goes off. You want to know what deal? Then here, see for yourself. I just airdropped the video to your phone. Keep your bougie ass food. I ate al already anyway. Woke my ass. She gets up, looks at David and Abigail, shakes her head and exits. Abigail and David look upset at Mark. Abigail picks up her phone and starts to open it. David leans into her and looks as well. Mom, Dad, look, I can't explain. I think you've said enough, Mark. Play it, Abby. Please, Mom, don't. I'm begging you. Uh, Mark stands, frozen in terror, looking at his parents. Watch the video. This is 14th Street, Union Square. As you exit, please be careful of the gap between the platform and the train. Blackout. Woohoo. My man, Christopher, I had no idea. No idea. No idea what? I mean, I knew you could act. We, we did, you know, workshop stuff together, but like, I didn't know you could write. I, I'm very, very impressed. When did you when did you write that? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, I wrote this several months ago. I think like right before COVID. How long did it take from the the inception, the you know, of you thinking this is what I want to write, to finishing it, to to um, the point that it is now? About an hour, hour and a half. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. I write. I write fast. Um, Candace and Duke. <laughs> No, they're students of mine, and they they've seen a lot of my works. There's some I've written full length. Well, Candace uh, helped me um, keep my thoughts organized for a film that I wrote that I actually sent to MGM Studios recently. Uh, it was a 115 page script. And how long did we uh, take to write that one, Candace? Like three, four days, maybe. About, yeah. So I, I write. I, when when an idea pops in my head, I just start writing away. Yeah, I mean, I see your stuff when you when you share it on the social medias, but until you know our current condition, we generally those of us in this scene in New York, we don't get to support each other's work because we're all doing stuff at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I feel really fortunate to have to have uh, been able to watch this in a reader's theater. Um, that's all I'll say. Just great job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, oh. I feel like. I, I just felt like there was, you know, there was things get tied up into knots and then they loosened and then they got tied up to knots again and then loosened. And, um, you know, I was rooting for Brooke at the end. I was like, yeah, rooting for her. Um, and uh, it was, it was wonderful to, uh, to uh, listen, to hear it. Thank you. Yeah, I think the writing is nice and lean. And so it got to the characters quick and, and got to the meat of it with great efficiency. So it's really impressive. Thank you. This I wanted to, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you if this was the uh, the first time that you've, you know, in like a public type setting had this read. No, um, 
I've I've had it read two other times just in different groups. I'm part of the Dramatist Guild and we have a, a group that we meet on Wednesday mornings and I had it read there once. Um, and it was funny because, well, the, 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 the feedback that I got there versus another group I had, I had read, um, I haven't changed anything to it. I just, it's pretty much as is right now. Um, but everyone suggests that I should turn it into a full length. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's, Actually, when we got to the blackout, I actually was like, oh, this is part, this is act one. Like, yes. Yep. Could be, could be. I enjoyed the, the last line, which is watch the gap, which would be the entire point. Actually, you know, just wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So can I ask you what the, the impetus was? Um, I actually was on the train one day and all of this happened on the train. Well, not all of this. Um, the first part, uh, uh, scene one, there was a woman named Colleen who got on the train and she, and I found it funny because she was like, please, everyone help me. I'm so poor. I'm so homeless. I have nothing. So if you want to, you can donate to my Venmo. And I was like, wait a minute, how do you homeless with a Venmo? <laughs> and, uh, and I was laughing at that at my, in my head. And then right after is this young black guy got on the train and he looked very well, you know, well together. And he seemed like he was like going to work or something, but then he just got up and started going on and on about like some of the stuff that Mark said. Uh, I kind of added my own things in there too. He got up and, started and was talking about, you know, he got up and he was just talking about gentrification and then he got off, he just popped off the train. And I noticed as he was talking, I kept hearing the announcements happening and he'll stop for the announcements and then he'll come back and i was like hmm that'd be a great idea for a play and so i got home and then i just started writing and then this came out and i wanted to point out both sides of the race debate because there is the white fragility and the white guilt but there's also hypocrisy on within like black hypocrisy um i see a lot of social media where people are saying that you can't be for Black Lives Matter, but then be against the rights for LGBT or something, you know what I mean? Uh, black, uh, things like that. And I was like, yeah, that does happen in the Black community where we're supportive of this, but then we're not supportive of this. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I wanted to put all of that into a play and see what came of it. And this is what, what came of it. And when did that happen? When did what happen? That you, ha you saw these people on a train and said, I need to write. Uh, before I went to Shakes and Co., um, I think it was like November, October or November of last year, I was on the train. My mind works weird and a lot of weird shit just happens in my brain all the time. And so I was sitting on the train just kind of like playing through thoughts in my head and then all of a sudden this all happened and my mind was like, ooh, snapshot, snapshot, let's take this, let's take that. And so I took it and turned it into a play. That's great. I, I just have to say like, um, is, is, and is the case whenever I'm involved in any original works, there's, my memoirs were started years ago. They put on hold because my acting career took over my everything. And I, I still kind of fantasize, I, I'm in the perfect situation now if I would allow myself to do it, to get back to that. But whenever I'm around this original work, it's that, it's that re-inspiration, like, oh man, I really should write, this is so good. And anyway, creativity inspires creativity. And, um, Thank you. Yeah, and if I, I could also ask, I'm sorry to keep cutting in, I'm sorry. I, if I could also ask Candace and Duke, um, so 
what have you experienced in the world of acting before this? Your students right now, right? Yeah, we yeah we go to Chris every every week. So have you had any other acting experiences? Uh, yeah, um, you know I've I've done plays, uh, film. Um, yeah, I went to college. Um, I minored in, in theater, so you know did plays ever since I've been in college and things of that nature. Uh, yeah, I've been acting for a while, so. Um, I'm quite the opposite. Um, I've just always wanted to act and I've always picked up monologues here and there or audition for things that I could. I recently just got out of um, social working a few years ago, but my heart was in musical theater for a while. I'm a little all over the place, but here I am grounded and just give me a script. I gotta say, Candace, <laughs> you, have, you have that natural ability. And I think probably part of that is because part of what makes an actor a good actor I think is life experience and doing social work. Come on. <laughs> Every day you're coming home with some kind of emotional battle that you got to put away, right? It was a lot. It was a lot. It was rewarding, but um, my heart's here. Mm. You know? Yeah, I, I discovered Candace um, when she came and auditioned for me for Comedy of Errors. I was directing Comedy of Errors. Kind of still am because it's like on this. COVID hiatus right now. And um, and I was so impressed by the fact that she came in and the girl who I, I had in mind for Adriana, she came in with no, the girl who I had in mind studied at Lambda, Bada, she had all this like experience and training and she was in mind for uh, Adriana. And then Candace came in with like none of that experience. And I felt like she was on the same level as this girl who had all this experience. And she was like, but I haven't had any training. So I gave her a smaller role because I didn't want to for her first like Shakespeare role to be something so big. Yeah. And then I, um, I took her and Duke and another guy named Danny on as students and I teach them weekly. I make them come deal with some grueling stuff every week. Right on. I'm sorry, I was kind of dominating the Q&A portion of Chris's post read, but anybody else have anything to ask or share before we move on? Stage it, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. an unrelenting um, face forcing the truth, you know, just it really speaks the truth and it, yeah, it needs to be out there. Thank you. Yeah. I honestly see this being a short film. No, definitely. Yeah, done both the and this, is, this is definitely a short film. Oh, thank you. Didn't think about that, but uh, I can make that happen.